for the hour, and you are listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. I'm Catherine Rose with Raven News. An ordinance that would have established a permitting process for commercial buses in Sitka and limited those permits failed to win the Sitka Assembly's approval at its regular meeting last night. Assembly members Tor Christensen and Tim Pike co-sponsored the ordinance, which sought to address concerns about increased bus traffic during the summer cruise season. Under the proposal, in order to secure a permit, the bus would need to pass an inspection and meet the EPA emission standards for the year the bus was manufactured. Permits would not be required for electric buses, school buses, or public transit, or any bus that holds 40 or fewer passengers. The ordinance as written would have capped the number of commercial bus permits at 10, though Christensen said that number was a placeholder and open to negotiation. After the ordinance was introduced, the Assembly heard around an hour of public testimony, mostly against the ordinance, including several tour company owners and their employees. The Assembly's discussion mirrored the community feedback. Four of the five Assembly members said they would not approve it. The bus permit ordinance failed on a one-to-four vote with Christensen as the sole vote in favor. We'll have more on the Assembly's discussion and decision on Raven News tonight at 518. Sitkins can now drive all-purpose vehicles on local roads at any hour of the day or night. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it rolled back a curfew for APVs that's been in place since they became street legal in Sitka. All-purpose vehicles like ATVs and utility vehicles were legalized for street use in Alaska in 2022. Sitka adopted the new state law but added some extra restrictions to local code, like a police inspection, a local permit, and quiet hours from midnight to 5 a.m. In January, the Assembly considered updating the code to allow two-seater ATVs on roads and make a minor adjustment to the curfew, allowing APVs to drive to the airport or ferry terminal during quiet hours. But some APV riders said the change wasn't enough and called for the Assembly to roll back the curfew entirely. The Assembly went back to the drawing board and last night, with no debate, unanimously approved the amended ordinance to remove the curfew on third and final reading. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski introduced a bill on Monday to support coastal communities. The legislation, called the Working Waterfronts Act, would establish grants for marine infrastructure and mariculture, resources for fishermen to convert boats to hybrid or electric engines, and improve research on ocean acidification, among other things. Murkowski's office said in a press release that the bill aims to improve food security, shoreside infrastructure, and even support federal conservation research projects. Several fishing industry groups and organizations voiced support for the bill. Bruce Schachtler, the director of the National Seafood Marketing Coalition, thanked the senator in a statement, saying, quote, The provisions in the act will help the industry compete in a global market that has long ago passed us by with their subsidies that address labor, financing, technology, and marketing. The senator said in the release she's been in contact with several ocean-based industry experts. Murkowski also asked for public feedback on what to include in the bill back in 2022. The legislation has been referred to the Senate Committee on Finance, but it's unknown if it will take the bill. The Juno Assembly has asked city staff to move forward with a Telephone Hill redevelopment plan that would demolish the neighborhood's historic homes. As KTOO's Katie Anastas reports, it could add more than 100 new housing units in downtown Juno. 
Designers shared four redevelopment models with Juno residents in the fall. Option C added the most new housing, 100 to 200 apartments in mid-rise buildings. Option D was the only plan that preserved some of the existing houses while adding apartments among them. In an online survey, Juno residents gave option C just 13 more votes than D. But at an assembly committee of the whole meeting Monday night, member Christine Wall said their decision was a response to Juno's housing crisis, not the survey. Option C barely, quote unquote, won the survey. I think that's a useful piece of information, but I think our decision should be based on what we think is best for the community based on what we know. Assemblymember Paul Kelly objected, saying he didn't want to make Telephone Hill's remaining tenants leave their homes. The levels of housing that people are asking for, I think we can achieve that um, and allow people who are living in the area to remain in their homes if we proceed with instead option D. But Mayor Beth Weldon said tenants may have had to leave even if the city left the houses standing. If we leave the houses there, the people that are in them currently may not stay in them because those will go at fair market value. And after my tour there, there's a house there that has some land. It's a big house with a view. That house is going to go for $900,000. Assemblymember Wade Bryson said they had a responsibility to serve all of Juno's residents. I would hate for this assembly to take an action that would stop economic growth for a small group of individuals, a small group of Junoites that doesn't seem like uh, the common good or good for the community. The assembly voted to direct staff to refine option C, with Kelly voting no. The assembly also agreed that the historic review process had been sufficient and that a more extensive review wasn't necessary. Kelly cast the only no vote. Architects had reported on the historic significance of Telephone Hill and its structures. An assessment of the building's condition found water damage, roof leaks, and rotten window sills and door frames in many of the houses. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. The U.S. Forest Service has decided where seven new recreation cabins will be built in southeast Alaska within the next two years. Some will be on the road system in the Tongass National Forest for easier access. It's part of an effort to bring 25 new cabins to Alaska's national forests. KSTK's Colette Sarnicki reports. Although eight cabins are eventually planned for the Wrangell and Petersburg districts, just two will be built in 2025. One cabin will be near Lawn Lake on Wrangell Island, which they're currently calling Little Lakes. It will be renamed with a clinket name. The other site, Woodpecker Cabin, will be on Petersburg's Mitkoff Island along Woodpecker Cove Road on the southwest side of the island. Tori Hauser is the recreational manager for the Wrangell and Petersburg Forest Service districts. She says that the Forest Service has prioritized building just two cabins right in the two districts. Every district wants to have a new cabin, and we don't have the funding to do, like, hundreds of new cabins. So we do have to go through some kind of a process to determine which ones are going to be most valuable and, and serving people and... Um, meeting all the demands. By 2025, five other cabins will be built in the Tongass National Forest, a cabin near Perseverance Trail near Ketchikan, and one at False Bay in Huna. Also, one at Signal Creek Campground in Ketchikan, Mendenhall Campground in Juneau, and El Capitan Interpretive Site on Prince of Wales Island. 
The cabins are part of the Alaska Cabins Project, which plans to bring 25 new cabins to the Tongass and Chugach National Forests. Through public outreach, the Forest Service found that people prefer to use cabins where there's easy access by road or boat. And both cabins will be bigger and more accessible for people with different abilities. They'll be near recreational opportunities like fishing and hiking, and also have significant covered porches. Hauser says Wrangell students helped design the cabin at the Little Lakes site. We brought some students out from the high school here in Wrangell, um, and they're part of um, a group called T3 Alliance, and they use drones to um, provide us with some footage of the Little Lakes area, and um, and then they made these little proposals of how they would build the cabin in the outhouse and how they would orient. The landscape architects working on the project took the middle and high school students' drone footage, and they're using it in the official design for Little Lakes. Besides the two new cabins, the Forest Service also plans to repair a cabin in each district, West Point Cabin, located about 24 miles by boat from Petersburg in 2025, and the popular Annan Bay Cabin at the Annan Wildlife Observatory about 30 miles southeast of Wrangell. A tree destroyed its roof last year, rendering it unusable. The Alaska Cabins Project is funded by $14.4 million from the federal bipartisan infrastructure law. The Forest Service's partner, the National Forest Foundation, also gave another $3.7 million. Jason Anderson with the Forest Service in Petersburg says the cabins that get built on the Tongass and Chugach will ultimately come down to funding. Sometimes what we find in these cabin projects is there's just there's certain ideals that we want to meet that are really either excessively expensive or just operationally impossible. Above all, Anderson says this project is important for Alaskans because wildlife and recreation are essential in the Southeast Alaskan culture. We're definitely excited to be working on the project. We know Alaskans love their cabins. We, you know, our, our goal through the, the project with the National Forest Foundation is to try to put at least one cabin on all of our ranger districts so that all, you know, all of our communities and user groups get to experience a new one. Anderson says that Alaska's cabin project will support the existing workforce as it will have a local economic influence using local wood and resources. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki. Taking a look at the zone forecast for Sitka today, it's looking sunny with a high near 42 degrees. Northeast winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm Catherine Rose, and this has been Raven News.